Transmitting over the airwaves from sunny East Hollywood. East Hollywood. Comes the show where we explore our guests' life and culture and how food shaped that experience. From their first slice of pizza to the restaurant they really wish was still open, this is Food POV with your host, Jason Parker. Hello, Food POV fans. This is your host, Jason Parker, here with a good friend of mine, Courtney Matz. I had a whole, this is the classic me. Um, I, I, I feel like, I feel like I have some sort of dyslexia and whereas if people tell me things, I just can't repeat them. Um, Courtney Matz, <laughs> Courtney is, besides being the person who showed me the film once for the first time, which I feel like that in, in itself should have its own little like Wikipedia page. Oh my uh, goodness. Courtney is, Courtney is a music, <laughs> a music and creative consulted here in los angeles uh of course when i first met her she was in the city trying to get a, a show about chocolate off the ground uh, courtney uh say hi uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself oh hello pov fans it's so delightful to be here with you jason thanks for having me on the podcast and i'm still here in la 10 years later which is really exciting. Um, it's been a wild journey and a, of self-discovery. And um, of course, there's a lot of chocolate to be found and a lot of chocolate to be communicated about around the world. But um, my plans took a very hard left turn about a year and a half into being here. And now I am doing all kinds of other things in addition to blogging about chocolate, although I don't really blog about chocolate anymore. But I still know a lot about chocolate and people when they travel they bring me chocolate from where they were so that in itself is a great reason to start a blog about chocolate yeah free chocolate is always good it uh, is. <laughs> uh courtney where did you grow up mostly in the washington dc area my dad was in the navy so um i was born in washington and then we lived in Northern Virginia and in upstate New York for a good chunk of my childhood. But we settled in like Springfield, Virginia when I was 12. So that was the bulk of my growing up time. All right. What was uh, just life in your household? Okay. okay, I only caught a little bit of that. What was life like in my household? Oh, yeah, classic Zoom. I <laughs> Zoom fine during COVID, but now that COVID's over, they've really uh, stepped down their uh, their their business. So, what was breakfast like in your household growing up, Courtney? Breakfast, oh, most important meal of the day. I was an early riser, much to everybody's chagrin. Um, my my parents are early risers too. My dad was in the Navy, so you know he was up early, but uh, I always was up with the chickens like him. And we usually did like classic cereal, um, Cheerios, or I think I really had an affinity for a cinnamon toast crunch, but try not to eat that every day. Um, or just, you know, toast. I don't remember a whole lot of what we had for breakfast, but my mom would bake on occasion. And that was mm. a really fun way to start the day. Like rolls or something or? What would she make? She would or make- just pop <laughs> yeah 
not too many pop starts, thankfully. Um, my parents were always on a diet, so we didn't have a lot of like sugary stuff in the house most of the time, except for when we did, which is a whole other story. Um, but <laughs> she would make like blueberry muffins. She would make like banana bread, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, with real bananas and everything. So I remember one time she asked me to make zucchini bread. And so I went and found what I thought were zucchinis in the fridge. <laughs> and I made the they bread were. and it, it tasted fine. And then mom was like, it just tastes really strong to me for some reason. Well, then she went looking for cucumbers to put in the salad and the mystery was solved. But um, <laughs> So cucumber bread. Okay. Yeah. It didn't catch on, but it yeah, exists. My mom also Good to know. Yeah, my mom made a, a killer banana bread. Um, and Cinnamon Toast Crunch is one of the goat cereals. So one of, oh, one yeah. of my faves. One of my faves for sure. Uh, what was... Uh, what were you bringing for lunch to school? Was it brown bagging or were you buying what was what they were serving? I think we did brown bag. I was homeschooled after first grade or third mm. grade, after third grade. So um, we didn't do, I'm trying to really dig deep here and think <laughs> deep, deep food memories. Um, yeah, I probably just had like sandwiches and grapes kind of a thing for the most sandwiches part. Yeah, I feel like they we go were- together. <laughs> Big sandwich family, PBJ, um, mm. that kind of stuff. But uh, and then I don't even remember what we ate once we were homeschooling. Uh, probably a lot of leftovers, <laughs> just like whatever we had for dinner the night before. Reheated spaghetti um, sandwich. Yeah, right. <laughs> what was uh, speaking of? What were those leftovers? What What was dinner the night before? Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things I most remember, and I'm sure we didn't have this very often, but I just have such a strong flavor memory of it, was um, it's called porcupine meatballs, which was basically hamburger helper, and um, but made out of made into meatballs instead of hamburger. And I think we had that with maybe pasta or something like that. I just remember the meatballs, but um, I was pretty young at that point. My mom will tell you that she did not learn to cook until she and my dad got married. And when they got married, she was, she thought that she knew how to make three things <laughs> and it turns out she, one of them became not a thing that anybody wanted to eat anymore. So then she had to kind of start over and my dad could make soup out of a can. So, uh, they, they learned a lot about <laughs> cooking and food, uh, in their life together, but mostly mom did all the cooking. I had, I was lucky to have a mom who could be home with us and homeschool us. So she did a lot of the stuff at home. And uh, and when dad was cooking, it was soup out of a can. We were big. Campbell's I do like soup people. out of a can. Yeah. Campbell's is is great. What uh, what were holidays like for these people who didn't know how to cook to some degree? I know. Uh, what, were you, what were you? Were, you, was, come... were they attempting? Were they attempting a uh, turkey on Thanksgiving with all? This? Oh yeah. We've come very far in all the, in all of that time. Um. My, okay, so, so yeah, holidays are a big deal. Holidays are a big deal. And I love to cook and um, mom, mom is really good. At, she's a really good cook now. Um, but, you know, probably when I was a kid in school, that was when it was least, you know, more hit or miss. We never really, really were sure how things were going to go. But for the most part, we ate well. We just, you know, had different kinds of things. Um, yeah, holidays were 
interesting because we always lived away from our extended family. So my dad joined the military right out of high school. And then as soon as he got through ROTC, which is like your first four years, they put you through college and then you are now an official full-time Naval officer. My parents got married and immediately were um, stationed in Virginia. So, so we always had um, holidays just away from everybody except for Christmas. Christmas time, some, sometimes we would travel, but it was like driving cross country to Wisconsin. Yeah which we just weren't always able to do. Um, so we we did a lot of hosting stuff and I have a lot of memories of my parents just opening the doors, you know, and just being like, whoever you want to invite, bring them over. And um, we would invite other like Naval officers who were stationed nearby who couldn't go home for the holidays. And so it was always a mishmash of kind of uh, us, the four of us, our small nuclear family, and neighbors and friends who happened to be around that were comfortable and then strangers. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting mix of people. And uh, and we tried to just kind of incorporate things that everybody would eat. Um, but my dad is a big fan of cranberries out of the can. So when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about that. Uh, I have recently acquired that taste. I also enjoy cranberries in all their forms. I like the fresh made ones. I like them out of the can. I'm, I'm my like, my dad only likes them out of the can. That's the only reason. Yeah. He, the only reason he likes Thanksgiving is getting to eat those out of the can. Right. It's like I don't know why that you have to have them that way, but you just do, and that's fine. <laughs> um yeah stuffing mashed potatoes my mom makes amazing mashed potatoes and then she makes her own gravy also from the turkey juices mm. um so i've gotten to help her do that a couple of times um let's see green bean casserole so now i co-host thanksgiving and i have i have learned to make vegan green bean casserole because we have a vegan in our um in our community and uh, at least one. I mean, there's always more that show up, but there's like one that we know for sure is going to be there every year. And um, and it's like, you know, you never want stuff that it's like, okay, this is vegan and everything else is has dairy or has uh, meat in it. So it's like, well, let's think about, you know, being creative and just making food that everybody can eat. Um, so yeah, green bean casserole was something that my mom made growing up and I love it. And it just, I only ever wanted on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, by the way. So that's the first one mm -hmm. I think of when I think about food holidays. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I like the, uh, I like the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top. That's, that's good stuff too. That's good stuff, of... yeah. I didn't grow up with sweet potatoes um, or squash really but i have really embraced those root veggies in my later years um, those are tasty um i could take them with or without the marshmallows i'm kind of flexible on the marshmallows i need the marshmallows i've that's what i'm in charge of this year thanksgiving okay so. what do you do with that do you cook the yams first and then add the marshmallows or you put it what? all in the oven together no, um, my mother-in-law tried that all together thing last year and all the marshmallows melt. So you got to put those at the last moment. Um, but I've never made them before. I'm actually going to, good food on KCRW. They sent me a thing about a, a sweet potato rose and it's like a, it looks pretty awesome. Um, nice. Remind me and I'll send you the little, the picture of it. It looks 
freaking phenomenal. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's all caramelized and stuff. It looks insane. Oh, nice. Um, was was Christmas the same? Just a a, a turkey, or did they do some? Y'all do something different for that? I think we did something different. I remember a few years, my mom in the morning would make these like bisquick sausage roll things, like mm. sausage cheese rolls, that are just literally cheese sausage and bisquick and you just mash them into little balls and bake them and they're so good <laughs> and they're they're just really easy to eat like hundreds of by accident but um those are really good that's like a special treat um yeah we mom every year for a long time would make christmas cookies and send them to all the relatives Nice. And um, and I got to be once I moved away to LA, I got to be one of the ones that got a whole tin of Christmas cookies one year. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it, but also I gained like five pounds that year. Um, just like there are too many cookies in this tin, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to share them, but everybody's gone. Um, yeah. So yeah, lots of baking, lots of just uh, we got into making hot chocolate that every now and then we, we got kind of experimental. I think when you are a family of four that may or may not have people nearby any given year, you just kind of try stuff. Um, I think a few years we ordered out, we just kind of were like, ah, nobody's feeling it. Like we'll hang out, we'll do presents and we'll like watch movies together, but don't particularly feel like cooking. Um, but yeah, we were never big turkey people either, which was kind of interesting. So I hate turkey. You hate turkey? I hate it. I mean, not like I mean, yeah, I dislike it. It's my one of my least favorite birds. Um, but you know, I actually I like turkey better than I like a lot of fish, though. So oh well, I mean, that's the only alternative. If you don't have turkey, you have to eat fish. So yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. This it's is so like good. some weird corner of food hell. You can either have turkey or fish. Which one is it? Mm, a rough one. Um, Courtney, do you ever work in the uh, service industry? You ever work at a I, restaurant? I have not, but that's all that my brother has ever done, which is kind of funny. Uh, you can either rip off one of his stories, or yeah. um, <laughs> or give me a since you you spend so much time in the the chocolate world, give me a chocolate story. Just anything. It doesn't have to be related to you at all. Just something you've heard that's interesting. I'd love to tell you some chocolate stories. I'm going to try to just do one because you don't have all night probably. Um, (laughs) So I, my whole vision with this chocolate show was to describe kind of where chocolate came from, you know, not, not just all of the pretty and sweet things that people do with it, but the origin of the bean, you know, the bean and the, the, the journey that the chocolate bean goes on to become all the different wonderful things that we make out of it. So that was what inspired me to start this show. And um, when I first kind of got into what that would look like, I, so I have a a deep, deep love for um, some of the Northern, the the Virginia history and historical locations. There's some cool colonial era places that are still there. And um, Mount Vernon, which was the, the farm that, George Washington owned is still there and is still operating and you can tour and walk around it and it's really beautiful and sprawling but at Christmas time they have a colonial chocolate making demonstration and that was 
one of my original episodes that is still on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and look up The Chocolate Tourist, you can go see it. Um, <laughs> it's a really fun little demonstration by people dressed up in costumes from the time period. And they have a tent and we, they just took us around and showed us the whole process of how the cocoa beans would have arrived and how they would have um, toasted them and then ground them with the matate and then the you know grind them all up in the mortar and pestle and then turn it into to uh, a hot beverage and uh yeah it was just it was just super fun to experience that um I got into all of that because one year I got snowed in I think maybe 2010 or something like that um, but snowed in Virginia. It doesn't snow very often. It doesn't take a lot of snow for us to just kind of shut down. But someone had just sent me uh, a, a list of different ways to kind of jazz up your hot chocolate. And one of those ways was with Mexican hot chocolate. And I tried making the Mexican hot chocolate, which is basically just chocolate with cinnamon in it, according to this recipe anyway. And it it reminded me so strongly of a flavor that I had tasted as a kid and that flavor was like basically the Abara chocolate that I think I had at a museum like the children's museum um or the the abuelita chocolate you know like the discs mm -hmm. that come in that uh sleeve well when you you just add hot water or milk to that and it just it's different from just chocolate and cinnamon but it is a cinnamony chocolate and it tastes so unique and I was I had to find out why it tasted like that. And that just sent me on this whole rabbit trail journey. There are several books. There are numerous documentaries. There's a lot of information out there about the origins of chocolate, if you're interested. But there's a lot to the flavor profile, where it all comes from, the history, and the current experience of where our chocolate dollars go and how that makes the world better or worse, depending on um, how you spend it. <laughs> so... I feel like having such a uh, a knowledge on chocolate, I need at least one more story. Okay. <laughs> one more thing. We've got okay, the well, first president. We've got the first president on his chocolate contributions. Now let's get into. Uh... How about uh, something more recent? I um so after after creating a few of these episodes here in the US, I decided to get serious and try shooting like a pilot for if I were going to pitch this to be a full hour long program, um I I would yeah, you know, would get a real presenter, you know, someone who's professional, um had been doing this for a while and uh, up until then I had been having a presenter who's a friend of mine named Valerie and she was she was delightful. She was a lot of fun to work with, but she was not super comfortable doing it and kind of, I think I burned her out. <laughs> but <laughs> so when I reached out to the presenter of my dreams, like a professional host, she was like, well, I'm going to be in Belgium for a couple of weeks in May. And that was like 2012. Do you want to shoot it there? So I was like, sure, I'll come out to Belgium and meet you. We'll figure this out. Jason, that entire 10 days that I was there was just flying by the seat of my pants. I did not know what I was doing. I did not have money to go to Belgium. And somehow it all came together. I had family to stay with while I was there. They took care of me. They drove me around. They let me stay with them for free. Um, I mean, somebody gave me their airline miles to go there. It just all kind of came about in quite a miraculous way. And then I got to work with this TV presenter that I like grew up watching on a different show and loved. 
And um, so we we had like two days to shoot footage downtown. And I'm again, just making it up as I go, hoping I don't look too green because <laughs> I'm just like, uh, that's not gonna work. Oh shoot, that's not gonna work. So we got connected to this very famous Belgian chocolatier called uh, Widemer, Widemer, the W. And we were gonna go and um, and try to talk to them and try to film them. And I walked in asking about the woman who runs the business and the people in the shop misunderstood me. They thought I had a meeting with her. So they just like took me right upstairs to her office. And I like, we totally busted into whatever was happening um, in this room with business people. But the lady was very gracious and I can't remember her name right now. Um, and the reason I can't remember her name is because we didn't wind up talking to her again, but she hooked us up with her head chocolatier. And the next day we came back and shot footage with him. And he showed us all kinds of things that they were doing in the in the Widmer chocolatier shop. And then also took us along to this demonstration that he was doing, showing a bunch of people how to make macaron. So that was super fun. And we got a lot of great footage. And um, you just never know what you can do when you try to just just show up. Thank you. Um Courtney, give me a meal you won't ever forget. Hmm. I think any meal that is accompanied by friends. One of my favorite things to do on my birthday is just invite everybody I know to go get pizza or go get brunch. Um, last year, I just did... I just hung out at Republic of Pi in North Hollywood and was like, I'm going to be here between nine and 11. Just come on by. And it was just sort of an open house. And um, yeah, I had pie for breakfast. It was great. Mm. I like pie for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and another pie. Uh, Courtney, tell me your first experience with pizza. Oh, Did my you... God. I love pizza so much, Jason. I feel like I've had some really good pizza experiences with you also. I think we... Oh, yeah. Chris Earl. I was, I was walking by... Um, is it DeSano? DeSano. Uh, yep. Yeah. I was walking by there and somebody mentioned something about, oh, I've never been there. And I said, oh, I went there for Jason Parker's birthday one year. Mm. And it was um, it was such a great experience. Um, Desanos is really good. Yeah, here's a plug for Desanos. Um, is that on Sunset? Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Okay. Yeah, right there. Um, I used to live on that street. Um, Alexandria. That's right where oh, Alexandria okay. tees into Santa Monica. Yeah. Alexandria, Santa, Santa Monica. Camus. And they're they do have the best parking lot in the city and they just Pretty fixed great. it up actually. They painted the whole place. So just on us, but pizza and parking. So my friend Maya is going to go there now because we talked about it, um, which made me think, Oh, it'd be great to do like a pizza tour, you know, just <laughs> say, okay, every week for a month, we're going to try a new pizza place in some neighborhood. So there's another place in Silver Lake that I really want to try. None of these are my first experience with pizza. What's the place in Silver Lake you want to try? Have you heard of Quarter Sheets? That's Echo Park. And yes, I have. I've tried it. Okay. 
There you go. I get Silver Lake and Echo Park confused very often. So they had a, I tried three slices there, uh, oh, a pepperoni and a combination. And they were very, they actually tasted just like Costco to me. Um, oh, okay. Um, take that how you will. But the third slice, which was one where they only sold, sold as a slice, that one was really awesome. It was really okay. flavorful and stuff. Um hmm. I think they're good, but to like, I saw them in a list as like one of the best restaurants in the city, and they're definitely not one of the, the best in the city. Um, that's funny. Pizana, you should try Pizana that is Pizana, open, okay. that's in Silver Lake. Um, uh, they have a pepperoni that looks really good. I haven't tried, but they have a, or no, I did try it, but it was, I, I got it too late. We ordered it to go. And those, mm. you know, the Neo Neapolitans, they just, they get really bad quality after like a couple minutes. Okay. But they have a, a cacio de pepe, de pepe. What's that? That pasta dish, the one with the pepper, catch, cacio, cacio de pepe. I'm, I feel like an idiot. You don't know what <laughs> I'm talking know. about? I would like help white, you, but I have no idea. <laughs> it's basically white noodles with fresh pepper on top. But oh, okay. yeah, Pizana is really good. Um, there's a place called uh, Ronin that's supposed to be really good that I haven't tried. Um, have you tried the the place um in echo park called triple beam i have not tried triple beam triple beam has a few locations it's from nancy silverton and it's roman style so mm -hmm. you you they used to be pre-covid you could tell them how much you want you go i want an inch and they just cut an inch off for you and and measure it and then warm it up what but, that's pretty good now it's i think it's like quarter or half but they just it's roman style so they cook these eats and stuff but yeah check out triple beam huh. you got okay. some pizza so okay so let's get back to uh first, pizza, some, first pizza. yeah those are some good wrecks i have um really vivid memories growing up of the whole book it pizza experience um doing pizza Hut. i think probably that was actually my first pizza experience was pizza hut and um when it was good old personal pan situation actually there was one year that we did a book at pizza party but also they gave us like a tour of the pizza making station and so we got yeah. to make our own little personal pan pizzas and that was just thrilling <laughs> I bet really... that was the best i bet that was the best pizza ever at that age it was amazing those That's... little Personal pizzas were really cool. That was a smart idea, Pizza Hut. And yeah, you know, I pretended to, I pretended to read a lot of book to get. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh no, I, you, you I, I read the, all the books. I remember books. the big pin, the pin that had the stars for each book that you read. With stars. I don't, yeah, because I did this up in Alaska, so I feel like uh, I don't know what how I forget how they did it up there. They didn't uh, pin the badge on you in Alaska. Oh, you know what it 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 was it was through the library. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, yeah, I don't remember. I feel like we had a book. I think there mm -hmm. was like a book we just put stickers into. I think oh, they had okay. gold, gold stars. I think that's what they used up there. That sounds great. Um. Courtney, when you were a kid, if somebody said we're gonna have a barbecue, what 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 was gonna happen? What was what was the plan? 
barbecue. Is it? So when I was probably old enough to do stuff like that, I feel like we were living in New York, and I, I probably would have associated barbecue with like a charcoal grill. But I do know there was one family in our neighborhood that had a um, oyster night where they just had all these oysters and I was super grossed out by them. But thankfully, because I was a kid, nobody expected me to eat one. <laughs> so <laughs> I just watched all the grownups swallow them back and I was just like, I don't understand this. My mom was not a seafood person, so she abstained. But I think dad probably tried a few. Um, but that that was like that was a bigger deal in upstate New York. A lot of a lot of people eating seafood and stuff. Um, but yeah, probably barbecue was more. I remember at some point realizing that people were talking about barbecue and they meant meat. But I was thinking when you barbecue, you're like making something on a grill which was usually fajitas. That's what my mom usually made on the grill. <laughs> really? Cooking fajitas on the grill? That's cool. And yeah. then so nowadays, if somebody said, hey, we're going to get some, we're getting some barbecue, what would you think now? In oh, now, yeah, exactly. Now 2023, I'm like, yeah, this is, um, this is going to be like a sandwich of some kind or just the meat that goes in the sandwich. And you get to pick what sort of sauce you want to put on it. I will I will definitely try all the sauces. If you have seven mm-hmm. barbecue sauces on a table, I will try Agreed. all of them. Same. And um, I love barbecue sauce. Um, I'm not that picky about it, but I do like to try it. <laughs> I just want to know what it all tastes like. And hot sauce has really become kind of a thing for me lately. Uh, I kind of had this revelation that when you have a oh gosh what's the name of it oh crumbs you know isn't it great when you can think of a word and then the word just goes out your brain you can't think of any words that describe it yep yep. um there's a key flavor that i really enjoy and basically it's hot sauce and butter i think is what makes it Hmm. yeah so i must like hot sauce (laughs) what's your uh what's your go-to hot sauce and go-to barbecue sauce right now um uh, oh it's oh well I usually just read the label in the store and anything that has molasses and <laughs> not high fructose corn syrup I will try. Um, nice. Actually I just put barbecue sauce in my yellow split peas last night. I made um a batch of split peas with onions. Mm-hmm. and uh i'm not a big legumes kind of person but i am trying to diversify my protein sources just to branch out you know you get used to the things you like and i do love yellow split peas there's something about the texture that's just very satisfying to me mm. so last night i had the inspiration to dunk some barbecue sauce on them and it was really good um but i can't remember what kind it was it's been in the fridge forever <laughs> <laughs> i love barbecue sauce i just don't use it that often it's really funny i forget about it um mustard's um, really good too so anything mustardy yeah uh courtney tell me a restaurant or bar that you wish was still open sorry would you say that again uh courtney tell me about a restaurant or bar that you wish was still open hmm well, I think they are still open, and this this might 
oh, you know what? No, they're not still open, rats. So um, I used to work right next to a really good fish and chips place on Hollywood Boulevard. And it's called, it was called at the time. H Salt. H -Salt. <laughs> it wasn't H Salt, although I'm sad that they're gone as well. Oh. It was a standalone company oh. called Catch Catch 52, I think. Catch 56. Oh. Yeah. I I went to it once. Right there once. Okay. Yeah. So I found it because I was working late and I just needed food and I just was really in the mood for fish and chips for whatever reason. And I I could eat fish and chips probably anytime, but there's like maybe once or twice a year that I'm just really in the mood for it. And this was one of those times. And I looked up on like, I don't know, one of the food delivery services just because I didn't know what was near there. And here's this place really close by. So I just walked over there and picked up my order and it was delicious. It was so good. And um, everything about it, I liked everything about it. And they had to close about two years ago. I happened to be walking by as they were shutting everything down. And I was very sad about that. I think it was mostly the pandemic, even though they, they always did a lot of delivery business. So like you would walk in there most days and there wasn't anybody in there, but they were busy. You know, there are delivery people coming in and out all the time. So I feel like they barely make money on those deliveries. It's kind of sad, you know. Well, maybe so. And I think also a lot of people, their rent went up after um, yeah. the pandemic landed. I, so I did like that fish and chips there. But, mm -hmm. Well, sad days but Courtney um <laughs> that was the episode I appreciate Courtney give a tell everybody where they can find you um pitch yourself uh, give okay. everybody the the info one last time <laughs> well if I've piqued your interest in chocolate I hope you'll go on YouTube and look up the chocolate tourist um I don't I don't know if I can even access that account anymore so I might not be able to respond to any notes or comments but I hope you enjoy it um, also, my website is CourtneyMaths.com. If you want to check out my music or my coaching services, I like to try to help creatives kind of get over with whatever is hump is in their way. If it's uh, just the need to do what they do with a little bit more skill or you know regularity or to expand, just make more money at what you do. And those are all things that I I'm passionate about working with artists and creatives and uh, helping us help each other. Awesome, Courtney. Well, thank you very much again. I appreciate it. And Food POV fans, until next time. Thank you for tuning in to Food POV with Jason Parker. Until next week, stay hungry. <laughs>